0: Hello, my name is Adam Eason, welcome to episode 24 of Hypnosis Weekly. hypnosis friends, and a warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again, in my own highly biased opinion, I think I have a magnificent spring rainbow of a show lined up for you today. In a short while, I'll be sharing with you an interview with the hypnotherapist and hypnosis trainer heralding from Romania, Mr. Eugene Popper. Then... I'll be looking at the hypnosis in the news stories, examining the media where hypnosis is featured. I'm gonna offer up some personal subjective commentary on the ways hypnosis is portrayed, but also comment on some of the content of those stories. We then return with our professional discussion with my guest Eugene Popa this week. We shall be exploring a project that Eugene's currently working on. We'll round things off with this week's hypnosis factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. This podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis, and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests, and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub, and all of whom, following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly, I have great respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions along with related links are posted at each episode on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. You can add your thoughts, comments and make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter, anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. So first of all today is this week's interview. I'm delighted to be welcoming Eugene Popa. Over the years that I've been familiar with Eugene, he's been very active and uh, many of our former guests have all met him and, uh, and speak of him and had experience with him. He gets himself out there and he works very hard within this field. And isn't it wonderful to have someone based in Romania on the show? I love the way the hypnosis field is so international these days and the way that technology enables us to come together. And I feel very cosmopolitan here on Hypnosis Weekly this week. I'm holding the Euro flag as I sit here. Get comfy my friends, turn up the volume, sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's interview. Well, as I've just been discussing, I'm delighted today to be joined by Eugene Popa over in Romania. Welcome to Hypnosis Weekly, Eugene.
1: Hey, Adam. Thank you so much for the invite. Um, it's, it's, it's great to join you in this podcast. Thank you yeah. for the
0: invite. Um, I'm, I'm, now, tell me, like, let's learn a little bit about you, first of all. Um, tell me a little bit about how you got into this field, what your background is, and, and how you arrived at where you are now.
1: Um, well, I've always been fascinated about how the mind works, yeah. and so, uh, back in the days, uh, in the communist era, so to speak, before yeah. 89, 1989, uh, there was only one newspaper in Romania that would have, like, science and, you know, breakthrough discoveries in the world, yeah. and, uh, that was like a 16-pages newspaper, and I would read every single letter of that newspaper, mm-hmm. because... It was the only thing I could get my hands on.
0: Yeah,
1: And so that was, you know, since I started to read, I, I got my hands on that newspaper. I knew exactly what day it comes, and I was just going for it. So I've always been fascinated that way. Then um, I've studied a lot uh, Eastern um, sciences like yoga and meditation and stuff like that. And um, I think starting with 2006 or 2007, I decided to take on um, some NLP courses. And uh, in, in, in one of the NLP courses, they talk about the Milton model and, uh, you know, hypnosis, which, of course, just like everyone else, I believe is something magical and extraordinary and fantastic and whatever. Yeah. So um, I kind of slowly slide in into hypnosis, and I still believe it's something magical and fantastic, but from a completely different perspective now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so that's
0: kind of how I started. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm. am really interested in that. Um, um, when you are, um, when you are in your in your own country, how how does the Milton model, um, um, translate? Well is it, is it translatable i mean with regards to things like the language and the language kind of distinctions does that does that translate easily
1: i I guess milton model is easy translatable in any language if you really want to make it so yeah um but um matter of that was kind of like opening the door for me because um then I kind of got into more, you know, researching more of the hypnosis. And I got to tell you, you know, when, when you go to NLP training and they talk about, you know, language patterns and uh, embedded commands and this and that, you know, they, they make it almost sound like like you're some sort of a magician or a, a shaman. And if you yeah. do the wording right, everybody will abide to your command, so to speak, which is, I, I realize is not the case. Mm. Um so what I did is as as I started to learn about Milton Model and, and and about hypnosis and on and I I started to research the internet more and um I actually got more into the direct hypnosis like the Elman style of yeah. hypnosis
0: yeah yeah um, um, well, 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 as we're going in that direction, perhaps you can tell us then a little bit about who your major influences are in this field, and um, perhaps perhaps some of the books, some of the authors that have taught you, and, and the teachers that have been most influential absolutely, upon yeah, yeah. Absolutely,
1: Absolutely. We'd love to, yes. Do you want me to touch on that now? Or? Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. Do. So, um, following uh, this breakthrough, so to speak, in my learning evolution, I started to search on the internet for hypnosis trainings and um, I, uh, you know, time and again I would see, um, I would see videos of uh, Gerald Kine. Yeah. So um, I actually, you know, got his home study course and I started to watch it and uh, I think a year later or so I said, I got to get myself to train with this guy, uh, which I did. So I went to Florida and it was so, it was one of the most eerie experiences in my life Mm. because if you ever watch the uh, Gerald Kynes videos, they're all shot, you know, from the classroom, I mean, Mm. they're all shot from the same angle from the back of the class. Mm. Um, Well, it so happened that when I went to his course, I was sitting exactly where the camera was positioned when the video was recorded. (laughs) So now Jerry is in front of me talking, and I go back and forth in my head like, "Am I in my couch back home or in my Florida watching the guy live?" You know. It like, <laughs> yeah. It was. It was. I mean, I'm telling you, it was the closest experience I could get to teleportation and to time travel.
0: <laughs> so, um, 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 with regards to that, I'm... I'm were there any other influences? So, so Gerald Kine, and, and you mentioned Elman earlier with the, with, with the direct stuff.
1: Yes. Well, you know what? i got to tell you this. You know, I, when I saw your email, um, which I know you sent a while back, and I, I saw your email, I was like, oh, my gosh. You know, I was like, here's this guy, Adam Mason, whom was most likely the first person I've ever heard talking about hypnosis.
0: All right, cool
1: because uh, so I could mention you among you know some of the mentors I had because I got your um, self hypnosis uh, recording yeah. and um, I was I was particularly how to say struck it's maybe too, too too hard of a word, but I was touched by by your voice and I was like so like. Easily flowing, it's like wow, this guy has got really, really, really together, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, it was very interesting for me to, you know, get that email from you and, uh, you know, now talking to you because you have probably been, if not maybe the first, you know, hypnotic voice I've heard.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah well, it 's funny you know i um, I'm, i, I 've worked in, in, in a one, in a number of different countries around the world and I get emails from people from 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 many many different countries in the world. A couple of my books, for example have been translated into to Arabic languages and things and um, it 's always funny when um, when I, when I finally get to speak to people and and many people say Ah, I feel like I've known you for ages and I've been talking to you for ages. Yes. um, Because I've been listening to your voice. Um, Yes. um, and, and, And that's also quite bizarre. Like what you were saying about... Jerry Kine it felt like you were being teleported in and out of places um, um I have the same experiences with just regular conversations sometimes with people um yeah um, yeah absolutely so um I, so I, I, Jerry Kine
1: was yeah. absolutely a big influence and of course the work of Dave Elman uh overall yeah. overall yeah. Um, but I've had other people that I, I really look up to and you know Ron Esslinger Roy Hunter um, also, Gordon Emerson from Australia, yeah, uh, great. You know, people that I've trained with, and I really, really think high of them.
0: Yeah, I mean, th- th- these, are some, these are some fantastic influences, and, and you've clearly spent a lot of time diligently researching the field and studying yeah. hard. So to, let, let's talk a little bit about hypnosis then. Um, yes. um, how, how do you define hypnosis? And tell me a little bit about how you arrived at that def- definition and how you explain well, hypnosis to your clients and so on.
1: Excellent. Well, um so there's two questions. How I define hypnosis and how I explain to the clients. Yeah. Um I, you know, initially I got the definition from Jerry Kine, you know, the bypassing of the critical factor, establishing, so you know, subconscious acceptance of suggestions and so on. Yeah. But that's kind of like a convoluted and long, you know, wind explanation. Yeah. Um, I once read an article, I was reading an article online about, an, it was an interview with one of the guys who won the biggest prize for um, special effects in movies in Hollywood. Yeah. And so the, the interviewer was asking, was asking this guy, um, you know, how does he do his special effects and how you know he comes to that result? And he said, "Well, you have to make them special, but not too special because people would not buy them anymore. They know they won't believe; they won't be believable." Yeah. yeah. So in that interview, he said two words, which for me is like the best definition of hypnosis. And he 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 said, "You have to." suspend disbelief mm. so for me that was like wow that's it you know like that's that's so perfectly explains it in my in my mind map of course because everybody else has their own uh, ways of explaining but for me that was like the best explanation of what hypnosis is it's suspended his belief you know
0: i love that and I, I love the i love the illustration and 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 how how you came uh, you know how you came to stumble upon that
1: yeah, oh, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's so simple and so easy and I can really see it in my head what I say, you know. Yeah, now, yeah. When, I explain it to, when I explain it to students or to, to clients, and I always tell them, um, you know, because they, you know, of course, as you know very well, sometimes they expect it to be like, um, you know, I'm unconscious and all that stuff. And, yeah. and I tell them, I always tell them, have you ever read a book that you liked? Or have you ever, you know, what's your favorite movie? And they say, well, is this or that. And so well, So when you're at the movies and, and you're watching the movie and you're so enthralled by it, it's like you feel the emotion, you feel the suspense, you feel the action, the thrill and everything. When you do that, you are there in the movie because otherwise you couldn't do it, right? And they say, yes. Well, so if somebody comes to you when you are in the middle of that hyper scene and somebody comes and asks for your wallet, what do you do? You punch them in the face, right, with your wallet. <laughs> And they say, yeah, well, of course, well, so that's exactly what hypnosis is like, you know. You are there, completely in that story, but it doesn't mean you're unconscious. It just means that you're completely taken by the story. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they they kind of they kind of go easy with that, you know. They like that explanation, so they go with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I like that. Um, um, I like that idea of suspending disbelief. Um, I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm going to work, I'm going to work that in uh, to some of the, some of my own explanations. Um, awesome. yeah. um, so, so when you started out, um, um, well, well, first of all, you know, well, with regards to hypnosis then, and with regards to your own work and the trainings you've been on and the various different things that you've done, um, um, what's been, what's been one of the most impressive applications of hypnosis that you've directly witnessed? Uh,
1: pain control. Pain, pain control. I think that you know um, that, and that's something that I'm particularly you know invested in, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, even though today I am kind of you know pain control and personal excellence, if you will. Yeah. But uh, you know, with pain control is by far, you know, for anyone who doubts hypnosis, and I gotta say I'm I I have to try uh, to to try and test everything because yeah. even yeah. today, I'm doing things and I'm going in my head, how in the world is this has happening, you know? <laughs> yeah. And um, and so pain control is somehow the easiest and the best way to check if it actually works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I still check today, you know, it's like, um, at some point, you know, I, I told you I studied with, um, with um, Roy Hunter, yeah. and at some point I, uh, for some reason, I uh, was, because I like parse therapy a lot, for some reason I had clients like one after another where I was doing parse therapy and sometimes something that he refers to as um, you know entity attachment and stuff like that. And I was like, what the heck? It's like I keep on getting all these kind of problems. So then I kind of start questioning myself, well, are the clients getting this problem or is it just me unconsciously leading them towards this kind of results? Sure. Mm-hmm. And um, well, it, and I I've come to a conclusion which I you know tell my students also. I don't care how you get the result as long as you do it.
0: If we could go back, if you could yes. go back in time, you know, to the beginning of things for yourself. You know, when you started out as a hypnosis professional, as a hypnotherapist, and um, knowing what you know now, you know, throughout the course of your study and exploration of this field, is there yes. anything that you'd do differently? And if so. Um, and what would that be? And, and would you extend that advice um, to, to those people that are listening? Um, um, uh, you know, any advice that you'd give the younger you and extend that to um, our listeners?
1: Absolutely. You know, the the only constant in this universe is change. Yeah. So to say you're not doing things differently, you'd be the biggest liar you could say. Yeah. Um, one, one thing that I notice we do differently today is, for instance... Very rarely I do an induction because um, I got to a point where I feel confident to start working with the client straight up from you know whatever they're saying and then you just follow, you know, follow them in their trance you know, via their emotion and then just work from there but um, I do advise that everyone who's just starting doing hypnosis, they should go through all the hoops and do the induction and everything. Yeah. You know, when I start, when I studied with Jerry Kine, he was teaching a very cool method called um, ultra high.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And it seemed to be like the mother of all techniques. Yeah. And I said, well, why don't I just do that straight up, you know? Well, why should I bother with any other techniques? Yeah. And, um, you know, he said, well... Do, you know, do all the steps, you know, don't jump steps because if you jump and you don't know the previous steps, then you have no fallback, um, you know, solution. Yeah. So, um, you know, if people are starting in, you I always suggest, you know, learn, learn, you know, uh, here's a quote which I, I like a lot, which I, I also t- t- tell people about and I say this. There is a quote from Picasso who allegedly said, know the rules perfectly so you can break them artfully. Mm. Mm. Now, that, of course, means that you have to know the rules.
0: yeah.
1: And to know the rules, you have to practice the rules. So, you know, practice them. And as you practice, you discover that, hey, you can get the same results by, you know, doing things slightly different, like you're know, moving a little bit to the left or more, a little bit to the right. Um, and when you are able to do that and still get the same results, then, you know, do whatever makes it best for you and you get the fastest results.
0: What are your thoughts, uh, Eugene? What are your thoughts about evidence-based approaches to hypnosis?
1: Well, define evidence-based.
0: Sure. Well, um, um where randomized controlled trials um, have been put in place with regards to um, um, where, where, where things have perhaps some, mm-hmm. some good quality um, empirical evidence base to support the yes. approach?
1: Excellent question, actually. Um, I was talking to a good friend of mine, Edwin Yeager, who's he's been, you know, he's like a you know a PhD in hypnosis, like the proper PhD in hypnosis. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's been doing hypnosis for the past 50 years, and he said he said to me because I invited him over to Romania you know a while back and, and yeah. he said to me one of the reasons for which hypnosis is not advancing as much as it should be as it could be is because there is no research mm. there is no proper research to vindicate and put, to sustain the claims and you know that rang a, a strong bell with me because remember what I told you about the NLP mm. you know the LNLP people um, which that yeah, great people by the way but when you have claims that if you say like this and if you say like that, you get this result, like where is the data? Yeah, and um, and so I'm all up for you know uh, research and study, and um, um, even I was I was I was I was you know doing an interview with, with um, Steve G. Jones, and he you know he kind of said the same. You know, he got pissed at some point because he was watching people talking on on, on forums. And saying different things like, oh, you can do this and you can do that. But there is no real data. And just because you say it's so, it doesn't mean it's so.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I I get very tired of people giving anecdotal evidence or or, or, or telling stories about what their tutor told them um, and believing that that is somehow the truth as opposed to, you know, being, being proper, proper evidence base, uh, being being able to decipher from it. And I think, um, I'm certainly, I mean, less so with the field of hypnotherapy, but certainly with the field of NLP, one of the things that it suffers from is that lack of, of really good, strong quality evidence. Um, And of course the field of hypnotherapy could do with much more of it. um, In my opinion, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? It's, I always give this example if I were tomorrow to do a past life workshop past life regression workshop mm. I can bet we you know that 99% of the people in that workshop will have a past life experience mm. and why is that because they want to because they expect to mm. now when you go to an NLP training you know it's really really preaching to the right crowd because they all expect and believe either it's a, an LP training or an, a hypnosis training is the same thing.
0: Yeah. You know, you're
1: pitching to the right crowd the fact that you can do some amazing, fantastic, extraordinary magic stuff. Yeah. And they're yeah. so ready to take that on. They, they so want that. So... It's very easy to do that. Yeah, you know? Absolutely.
0: absolutely. The context and the, the, the degree of investment in that process um, um, absolutely frames their experience. I mean, one of the interesting things with regards to what you said, the, 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 the prolific researcher Irving Kirsch um, um, attempted to research um, um, various facets of the field of NLP. And he took the fast phobia cure into clinical trials because it's very testable. You know, the, 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 the yes. protocol is very testable. And and just could not, you know, and tried time and time again to replicate the results, but just could not replicate them within a clinical trial. Um, I'm, I'm, when that was then angled at Richard Bandler, he said that that, that the um, 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 that, that that was undue criticism because that it, it wasn't designed. It was a technique not designed to use in 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 a clinical trial you know it 's uh, um real life application and so on um but but well, what's it, it, the difference you know Yeah, what's... absolutely and, and so it's very difficult it's very difficult yet yet if ever I mention that and if, ever I, if if ever I mention that on trainings or to nlp enthusiasts, they get very defensive and 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 you know that, 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 that they 've got an investment in it, and they very often you know think that i 'm just having I'm just having a go at them. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not meant that way at all. Um, now, Eugene, where can people go to learn more about your work, your approach to hypnosis? Where can they learn more about you?
1: Well, um, I have, um, my website is in English, eugenepopa.com, which is yep. E-U-G-N-P-O-P-A.com. Yes. So, actually, it's Eugene without the last E. Yeah, right? yeah. So that's the English version. Yeah, Romanian yeah. version, is without the last E. So... Um And, you know, I um, I have, you know, lots of information about myself and what I'm doing. It's on the website.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and there's a project um, um, that you're involved in as well that I'm going to put a link um, um, on the podcast yes, episode for. Yes. Um, and, and
1: um, you know, it, it, again, I'm sorry to interrupt here, but right. again, it's so funny because I was going to write to you about the project. I'm uh, Mentors in Hypnosis. And as I was going to do so, I discovered your email.
0: Yeah. So, so because um, because I'd been discussing um, and and had as guests on the show, um, Dave Elman, uh, um, Dave Elman's son Larry, yeah, Larry Elman, yeah. and I'm um, um, Sean Michael Andrews and Roy Hunter. They they'd all mentioned your name, um, and so I thought, right, you know, I'm friends with I'm friends with Eugene. I'm friends yes. with I'm friends with Eugene on LinkedIn. I need to go and uh, approach him and get him on here. You know, we need we need more international guests, and you know, being someone someone in Romania is going to be an awesome guest. Um, um, and and you are so um um. Thanks very much, Eugene. Thank you. We'll be back with Eugene in just a short while. I really enjoyed that interview. We'll be back with Eugene later on in today's show. Now, we're gonna look at this week's hypnosis in the news. I was inundated with emails. I was inundated with texts, tweets, Facebook messages from people asking me what I thought of the ITV television program, you're back in the room. So I thought that as this week's um, professional discussion was slightly shorter than usual, that I really go into one with regards to to, to that particular show. Um, I watched the first two shows and I'm gonna talk about the first show and the reasons why I didn't then watch the rest, okay? The show right from the off um, was heavily punctuated with language that proliferates myth and misconception, okay? In my opinion, you know, Philip Schofield welcomes the viewers, refers to the game show contestants as being under, It gives the impression that these people are somehow anaesthetised or unconscious, yet the contestants in this show were quite lucid for most of it. I have a video of Gil Boyne stating that the word under is a pejorative term when describing hypnosis and I agree. Heck though, we're only on the introduction of the show and I'm picking fault already. There was a lot of nonsense in the opening introduction to the show in my opinion. Philip Schofield also suggested that hypnosis is going to be used to override the brain. Override the brain, what? What does that actually mean? Override the brain. How can anyone or anything that's not alien technology override the brain? I mean, I'm being a bit facetious here, but my mindset probably set the tone of how I was going to view the show from here onwards. Especially as our world-renowned hypnotist, I know, I know. I, I mean, I'd never heard of him before either. And that's not a slight on Keith Barry. Um, um, you know, he, he hadn't even been introduced at this point. Um, he strikes a pose while holding his index fingers to his temples. I mean, seriously, what's he trying to do? What, what, what is that doing? Holding his fingers to his temples? Was he sending us a psychic message? Is he trying to communicate with me? Is he doing a Klingon temple massage technique to ease his pre-show nerves? Um, and, and we just caught him in the middle of it? I mean... You know, he was beaming with smiles while he was doing doing it. So it must have been good for him, you know. It must have been it must have been a nice thing that he was engaging in. And he had an exchange with Philip Schofield. And Philip asks him, um, is hypnosis real? I mean, what on earth do you think he's gonna say to that, Philip? He's the hypnotist, earning his living, doing hypnosis on a hypnosis-themed TV show that you're being employed to do primetime Saturday night. He's not gonna turn around and say, No. Among other things, he says of the contestants they may not even remember being hypnotized. Well, if you tell them to remember everything, they will. However, if you keep on suggesting that they may not remember stuff, whether they do or not, they're not going to admit they do, are they? They're not going to question how the entire framework of hypnosis is presented and suggested to them, are they? I suspect also that if one of them continued to say, I remember everything in great deal, actually, they may not make it into the final cut of the show. But to me, this notion is one that gets promoted throughout and smacks a bit of the emperor's new clothes. I'll add here, though, that I actually really liked the manner and demeanour of Keith Barry. He is perfect for a show like this, and he seemed like a really good guy. Um, not that I have any evidence of that aside from the show. Um, hypnosis aside, he came across, you know, as 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 a as a good person in my opinion. So. The cliched swinging watch graphics then swung across the screen. And after the contestants had all been introduced, the show began in earnest. The contestants were to be set tasks, seemingly simple, but were hypnotized prior to those tasks. They were hypnotized to respond, behave and react to the exercise in a variety of ways that may hinder their ability to do the exercises. This adds jeopardy and humor and is the central entertaining component of the show. First up, they had to engage in some clay sculpting, sculpting clay into objects that were on the envelope that they'd been given. The exercise was pretty funny, I thought. Um, I particularly found everyone's readiness to get irritated with each other quite amusing. Um, They were all able to perform the tasks, but as I said, how they did it was the entertaining part. One lady thought the clay smelled of dog poo. Uh, One kept rubbing it into everyone's faces. One behaved like he was Patrick Swayze in Ghost when the music came on. Uh, For a moment I forgot my issues with the portrayal of hypnosis thus far and I giggled a small amount. At times I thought they forgot to play the parts they were hypnotised to be and did not think they were all being consistent in their hypnotised behaviours but I'll come back on to that point later. The section is then concluded by post-show interviews and thoughts on the different exercises virtually identical to the format of Paul McKenna's TV show in the 1990s. Here is where things get confirmed for the audience and we get to see how the contestants explain themselves. Uh, One chap said he had no idea what I were doing. Excuse my attempt at a northern accent then. And a lady said, I knew what I was supposed to be doing, but I was not in control of it. And this is not necessarily or really an accurate description of what clinical evidence would suggest is the phenomenological experience of hypnosis. In fact, away from TV cameras and a misleading framework, most people say quite the opposite to these statements. During the first interview section, they all stated the experience was quite surreal, which I understand, not just in hypnosis terms, but having to do unusual things in front of a studio audience and know that it's going to be shown to millions of people. That in and of itself is probably a major determining factor in what's going on here. Massive expectation. If these people were not considered to be good entertainment, they would not have made it onto the show, right? They have pressure and expectation placed upon them to respond in accordance with the suggestions. I'm not convinced that these mechanisms are anything to do with hypnosis necessarily, but other factors influencing how they behave and respond. Hypnosis is a collaborative, you know, it's, it's collaborative. A hypnotized individual must engage their own imagination, must use their own cognitions, must create a level of self-deception at times. They must believe in, you know, and, and exercise belief in what's been suggested to them. They must respond. They must react to the suggestions they're given. They are an active agent in the process. They're not a docile, autom- you know, automatron responding in a sort of machine-like fashion to all suggestions given by the hypnotist. The people on the show volunteered to be part of the show. They would have gone through some auditions. They would have been tested for responsiveness. They already believe they are good subjects. Um, and because they've been picked for the show, they're going to be more responsive and fulfil more of the role expectations. This is actually a mechanism that's prevalent in the socio-cognitive model of hypnosis that I adhere to. Expectation being fulfilled and adoption of the role of hypnotised subjects. So it's not all totally misleading. However, I suspect that the vast majority of the audience are not looking at it in the same way I am. They are, in fact, believing that hypnotic responses are happening for other reasons, like they are in a trance, for example. Yes, indeed. Prior to the second section, Philip Schofield says that the contestants are in a deep trance at the moment as they sit slumped in chairs while Keith Barry's giving them suggestions. Trance and altered states of consciousness types of explanations of hypnosis are largely considered outmoded, outdated, and simply misleading or incorrect these days. The very, very few academics who still refer to hypnosis being a state still only theorize and have no concrete evidence despite the results of PET scans, fMRI, brain imaging technology failing to identify unique hypnosis state. The next section and the task for the contestants involved balloons and was not as funny in my opinion, though I was getting a bit jaded by now. It looked like a lot of play acting and fooling around in front of cameras. It looked like compliance rather than real non-volitional hypnotic responsiveness. For example, the contestants were laughing at themselves often rather than firmly believing in what they were doing. The interviews afterwards sounded like they were attempting to convince themselves of what they did rather than believing in it truly. And that's the point though, isn't it? The TV producers need to make it seem even more authentic with these frank interviews with the contestants all sat together. And they're all sat together, you know, validating each other's experience and helping promote the same thought process. They're all going to feed into each other's experiences, aren't they? They're going to agree and nudge each other along. They all nod at each other throughout. They, they need to explain themselves and their behavior. They need to agree with each other in a sense. The next section was a quiz section and had moments that I thought were moderately funny, but again, it often seemed like poor acting and tomfoolery to my skeptical eye. I mean, one of the women was supposed to be acting as if she was in love with Philip Schofield. She instead behaved like a caricatured schoolgirl doing some sort of childish crush behavior that even childish schoolgirls do not actually do. That level of swooning really only occurs in cartoons. You know, people, don't, people in love don't actually act that way. This may seem like I'm picking fault, but it needs to be highlighted to demonstrate and explain that these people were acting in an exaggerated and amplified fashion for cameras and to fulfil comedy expectations. Some of the dancing in this section was funny, but again, they were laughing at themselves, you know. There's a big studio audience there too. Audiences are encouraged to laugh and be noisy um, and that stimulates the TV viewer into thinking things are funny. TV audiences are warmed up too, so that they laugh more readily for maximum effects during the show. As the audience laughs more, the contestants respond and react to that laughter. They behave according to it. That response is therefore not wholly due to hypnosis, but further additional peripheral factors all contributing to the effects that we see. Again, we get some more interview snippets. Can't remember any of that game. Said the guy who was busy being the the soul singer James Brown, and this is really misleading. It's very uncommon, but I've covered this point. I won't go on about it. Um, by the end of this section, I was totally fed up and felt like I had to endure the show to give a proper account of it. I'll digress again um, from the show for a moment. TV shows are all edited. You know, they cut and paste the funniest bits into the show, of course they do. You know, the boring, stale, less animated parts do not make the final cut. The show could give the impression of a rollicking voyage of non-stop hilarity, but the reality is often very different. The show had a final task for our contestants. In a briefer section of the show, dinner got served up to some famous celebrity chefs in a messy and chaotic fashion. I really wasn't aware of why I had potato in my hands at the end, said one lady. Well, how did you remember to play the part? How did you remember to adopt the hypnotic suggestions? And then at the end, you know, did all those suggestions just vanish? If so, why did you continue to adopt the role until you went and sat down in the chairs? The idea of you not remembering is a fallacy. It's almost like the woman felt she had to say that to validate what happens. The show then progressed into the final golden ball grabbing money prize process they now had this final chance to carry the golden balls from one pot to another and be rewarded with real prize money for doing so. I thought this resembled a poor quality college foundation acting class. Uh, When the hypnotist suggested that a stormy wind was now blowing, one lady started holding her arms out like a child acting as if she was an aeroplane. I got the impression that this suggestion was only given because up to that point there was very little jeopardy or humour in this final section. The contestants seemed to know uh, that they'd be winning thousands of pounds for successful transportation of the Golden balls, and we're not going to drop them anywhere. Though some did get dropped and spilled along the way, they still won over £20,000 and the maximum prize was £25,000. They all got given a commemorative trophy with the words I went under written on them. At this point, I simply had enough and had to hold my forehead. The final interview snippet. I mean, heck, rather than just holding my forehead, I should have given myself a a temple massage. Um, The final interview snippets included one lady saying, I'm not a skeptic anymore. Well, you have to say that. What else can you say after you've been doing what you've been doing? You know what? I used to like Philip Schofield a lot. He's been on the telly throughout my life. I watched him as a child in a broom cupboard on children's BBC with Gordon the Gopher. Uh, After this amount of nonsense, myth, misconception and misinformation poured from his mouth in the TV programme, I find it tough to like him in the same way. I know he gets a script to read and he's only presenting the show, but I consider my beloved field and subject matter to be sullied by this type of TV show and I cannot see beyond the fact that it was his mouth that the words were coming from. Also, any, any sort of questioning or, 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 or adverse comments about the show, he's been quite dismissive of on Twitter, um, um, rather than respecting people's genuine complaints or issues with it. Okay, so let's do a reality test for a moment and perhaps I need to stop behaving like a spoiled child. The TV show is a bit of fun. It's not aimed at people like me. It's not trying to bear up under any kind of scrutiny. It's not supposed to be anything other than entertainment on a Saturday night. And for many people, it offers that, I'm sure. The problem for people like me who dedicate their lifetimes to the development of this field of hypnosis and attempt to showcase it in a credible fashion is that this type of TV show sets us back. It misinforms. It portrays hypnosis incorrectly. Your back in the room proliferated numerous myths and misconceptions. That people don't remember what goes on when hypnotised. That people have no control when hypnotised. That hypnosis is purely about one person making another person do stuff rather than it being collaborative at all. The problem for therapy, I suppose, is that people expect to be zapped rather than have to engage with the therapy. You know, we do get to educate them and inform those clients, but, you know, blah, 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 moan, moan, moan. They also proliferate this idea that hypnosis is about being in a trance or being under when the larger bodies of evidence tend to suggest to the contrary. There is empirical evidence yet to be superseded that suggests, you know, all of these notions that I've mentioned. They're false. They're misleading. Those in our field, you know, after the show that defended it were arguing that there's no such thing as bad publicity, that it does show hypnosis to be powerful and it's getting hypnosis into the public eye regardless of how it's portrayed. But you know what? Publicity at all costs is not important to me. Correct information and understanding is. Simply because, you know, when we have correct understanding or as correct as possible, then that level of understanding can advance the efficacy of treatment outcomes, for example. Plus, I don't want to have to spend valuable therapy time explaining to clients why they're not having the same experience as those people on the telly. Okay, we might be able to piggyback on the shirt tails of a client's belief that hypnosis is powerful because they saw it on telly, but they think it's powerful for the wrong reasons. Imagine if they thought it was powerful because the individuals are learning how to do incredible things for themselves, that they realize their own cognitions and imagination can be used in a, to, to create powerful changes that build self-efficacy. Now that's a message to give. It's not as sexy, I suppose, you know, it's not a very sexy one um, that TV shows are going to want to feature. Perhaps I viewed it from a particular perspective and had a degree of negative expectation. I am a hypnosis snob and I like to think of myself as the hypnosis police from every every now and then. But these are my thoughts on the show. And, I, and you know, I'm going to struggle to watch any future series that are coming up. So bar humbug and boo hiss to you. You knew I was going to come up with the bar humbug stance on that, though, didn't you? Um, okay, that's this week's hypnosis in the news. Let's start having a look at what's coming up. We have this week's professional discussion then. I ask all our guests about their favorite topics and to uh, that they wish to discuss, and if they have subjects that they prefer to discuss. This week's guest, Eugene Popper, was keen to share details about a project that he's been working on. So here is this week's professional discussion with Eugene Popper. <music> So I'm delighted to be uh, joined once again um, by Eugene Popper. Um, um, now, now, uh, as I sort of alluded to at the end of our interview earlier, um, Eugene and I have been in contact with regards to a different project, and it's a project um, um, that, that 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 I was really excited about going and being part of myself when when Eugene invited me, and. Um, Um, And it's something I thought would make a really good discussion and conversation, um, um, you know, to to examine the origins of it and and what the motivations were that underpinned it. Um, So so let me just get the ball rolling. Eugene, first of all, tell us a little bit about about what this project is, what it's called and tell us about how it came to be, you know, how it originated, first of all. Thank
1: you. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for the opportunity Um, so it's mentors in hypnosis and actually that's like the name of the website as well, mentors in hypnosis.com and it all started last year in 2014, that is in October. Yeah. I, uh, and I have to give credit to a few people for this. And I went to a, um, seminar where uh, there was a guy called Jerry Roberts who, um, who was uh, talking about publish a book and grow rich, you know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so he, he came through, and he's going around the world teaching about people how to write books and how to do books and so on and so forth. So yeah. there was an introduction, an opening uh, speech on how to do the books. And before him, there was a couple of people who were talking about, you know, online marketing and stuff like that. And they, they said something which really stuck with me. Of all the stuff, which uh, I have to say uh, that morning, it was a Wednesday morning, it yeah. started at 8.30, finished at 12. I think that was the most productive and, and, and um, information-packed morning of the whole year. Yeah. So these guys, they were saying, you know, if you get an idea, if you have a project that you want to, if you get your idea onto something, do something about it in the first 24 hours, um, if you don't, it most likely is going to slip off and, you, you know, you just lost another opportunity. But if you do something in the first 24 hours, most likely you're going to continue on it. So they were talking about this. And then right after, there was Jerry Roberts coming up talking about writing a book. And he said, well, if, you, you know, I'm sure you all have your books in your head, but you have to put them down on paper. So if you are not very clear of what you want to write about. You know, you can ask some people in your field and, you know, talk with them and, and maybe do some, like, something together. Yeah. And then they got an idea. You know, it's like, let me, let me contact a few guys in the world of hypnosis. I'll do an interview with them. And then I'll, I'll, I'll you know, put the ideas down on paper and, you know, write something about the whole thing. Yeah. And that evening, I, st- I spoke to a good friend of mine, um, uh, Jason Lynette, who, even before I finished my sentence, he said, yes, I'm in. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then I spoke to Tom Nicoli, and he said, yes, I'm in. And it's like, right. So by the end of that week, I've already done three interviews. Yeah. So the idea came out on Wednesday. By Sunday evening, I had three interviews already finished. Yeah. Um, which was great, and it was going a very, very big pace. Now, it kind of morphed and warped a little bit along the way, because uh, what I initially started with an idea for a book, I I kind of got this idea, well, since I'm already recording all of the conversations, I could, you know, some people, they don't like to read, some people like to listen, whilst others like to watch so why don't I just make the whole thing available, not just as a book, but as a big project where you can go and meet you know, mentors in hypnosis, basically. That's all it's yeah. all about. Yes, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's kind of how it came along. And um, so now we have more than uh, 30, 35 mentors from all over the world, from UK, from Australia, from South Africa, from, um, you know, uh, US and, and Canada, of course. And so I'm very, very because I got to tell you, every single interview I've done, I've learned tremendous stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways you can learn. And one of the best way to learn is to have a mentor. Yeah. Um, someone you can go to and ask questions and, you know, get guidance from. Now, with this project, I've, I've had, and those who are going to, you know, want to be having access to this project, they will have more than 30 mentors available. Some of them, they were even... Uh, they're even interested in offering mentorship. So, of course, that's a different story. But um, it, it, is, it is making it easy for anyone who is interested in hypnosis to learn from all these people. And um, something that I'm very humbled by, uh, among so many other things, is that all of these mentors, they say, hey, can I get uh, access to the other interviews because I'm very curious and I want to learn what other guys are saying. And these are people who have been doing hypnosis for 30, 40 years. Yeah. And and they want to learn from the other guys, you know, they are curious like what did that guy say? How did that guy put, you know, what did that guy answer to this question, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it's it's been amazing. I'm, I I got to tell you. And I'm doing um, 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 kind of a survey right now. Yeah. And the tally is staggering. Basically, put together the experience of these people, in number of years, it's more than a 1,000 years of experience. Wow, yeah. I, I've been blown away. And I was like, hold on let me Let me just put this together and let's see what comes up. And I started to tell you, and I asked every person, like, how many years have you been doing hypnosis? And they say, you know, some, some say 6 years, some say 20 years, some say 25, some say 40 years. And if you add it all up, it's more than a 1,000 years of experience with hypnosis. Well if that's not something that calls your attention to it, I don't know what is
0: <laughs> yeah yeah um, um, absolutely so tell me a little bit about about what, what was your motivation for doing this um, 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 what was what, 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 what do you feel is the main point behind it and and what what, what was your main driving ambition to, to do as far as this was concerned learning. No. um
1: at least learn you know i have i have a my my personal motto is learn, grow, share yeah so uh, I guess that this project does exactly that you know is i'm learning from all the interviews I'm growing because of the learn because of the knowledge I get access to, and I want to share this knowledge and so uh, you know, learn grow share is my my motto, but somehow it is also the motto of this project because you can get online, you can get in, uh, you can download the videos and listen to them, you know, at home or on your iPod or whatever. But you can learn from all these guys, and you know, like I said uh, earlier, the only constant in this universe is change. So. If you come in contact with knowledge, with information, it is impossible for you not to be transformed by it one way or another. And I know that transformation can be a growing transformation. And when you grow, you have more to share. Yeah. So, you know, learning has been the primary, the primary motivation. Learning for myself and learning, you know, helping others learn by having access to all this wealth of, you know, knowledge, wisdom, experience that these guys, you know, have in, in this field.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Tell us, tell us a, a number of the people, tell us a little bit about some of the people who feature in it.
1: Well, Adam Eason. <laughs> Yay. Yes, uh, Adam Eason, Tony Coley, Jason Lynette, Sean Michael Andrews, Scott uh, Sandlands. Scott Giles, Steve G. Jones, Richard Norgard, um Septa Broadworth, uh, Roy Hunter, Ron Esslinger, Gordon Emerson, Connie Ray Andreas, um, uh, Steve Bierman. There's, there's, I mean, oh, yeah, there's is, so many. It's there's like so a, many.
0: It's like a who's who of the hypnosis world. I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I'm looking at Andrew Austin, Sheila Granger, John Butler. Jim Wand, um, Melissa Roth, Barry Thane, Larry Ellman, Melissa Tears, um, uh, Kelly Woods, Gianna Cameron. Um, yeah, yeah. Wow. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really, uh, Michael Elner, you know. There's, yes. It's a really great lineup, i got to say. And I'm very, very, very excited and very happy to, to, you know. I started this project and then I have to say it kind of took a, on a, a life of its own. I'm just I'm just facilitating it, really.
0: Yeah. 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 And so um, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that it would be really difficult, very difficult um, to, to 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 pick out some highlights. But, but you know, could, <laughs> it, it, are there are, are there some really key learnings that you could share with us or, or a couple of highlights um, that, that just spring to mind off the top of your head from some of the interviews that you've been doing? I'm. I mean, yeah. I, you know,
1: you kind of put me on the spot here because, like I said, I've learned uh, tremendously from every single interview. Sure. Um, now, if I were to mention one or another, it's not that the others have not had great information. It's it's whatever comes to mind now because every single person I've I've interviewed. I've I've got a lot to learn from. Yeah, sure. Um so just mentioning one or two people would not mean that the others are not worth mentioning on on the contrary. Yeah. Um, but for instance I was talking to Barry Thane and he had you know a, I love the guy I got to tell you he's he's one of my heroes you know and uh, and you know I love the I would say quirkiness of his um, way of expressing and uh, you know the he's you know pure British humor, and uh, he said that, you know, in, uh, something which was controversial somehow is that, you know, there's this saying in the world of hypnosis that you cannot hypnotize anyone against their will, and he goes, well, I can um, and, you know, that's like, wow, that's, you know, that's yeah. very interesting, you know. And, yeah. and she said, it's not necessarily because I'm imposing my will about it. And I'm paraphrasing, okay. If you really want to get exactly what he said, you have to go and watch the video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but right now, I'm just quoting from my memory. So, it's, it's not so much against their will. It's, it's simply, you know, that that happens. Um, I was doing an interview with um, Larry Elman. And he was telling me and he was telling the viewers how he started doing hypnosis back in the days with his father. Yeah. And um, and I was, um, you know, um, doing interview with, um, I don't know, um, Melissa Roth, who said she had some amazing uh, results with uh, body change and body transformation and, you know, people gaining length in their body size, due to, you know, recordings in hypnosis, and Jim Wand was telling some amazing stories on from his from his shows, and um, so there's so many, you know, Gerald Kine has some amazing stories also, you know, and so there's a lot of very, very cool stuff in there, and it's, it's difficult to, to pick one up because yeah. there's not just one, you know. This is one of the questions I ask them, the, the, the mentors is, if, what is your greatest experience? And they say, well, it's not just one. It cannot be just one, you know. And yeah. when you have 20, 30, 40 years of practice, you cannot have just one amazing experience. There are so many of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. Um, um well that's one i mean it sounds like a really exciting project and um I'm um, getting to, get people, to go, people to go and explore and so on um, um, um and that's great um Eugene, it's been a real real pleasure having you here today It's been a real pleasure interviewing you and talking hypnosis with you and I look forward to us speaking some more um in the future um, thank you and I
1: appreciate for for the invite and actually I have an offer for your listeners. Yeah. Um, and just to put it out there, you did not know about this, and so just as your listeners hear this for the first time, so do you. Um, I I want to offer your listeners a discount. So if they uh, when they sign up on the website, if they use the code um, Adam, yeah, then they would get a twenty five percent discount off the official price of one hundred twenty nine dollars. Cool. So um, by signing up uh, using this code, you get a 25% discount.
0: Cool, cool. Well, that's very kind of you. That's very good. Um, 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 anybody listening, um, um, go take up Eugene on that offer. Um, <laughs> uh, um, um, Eugene, thank you very much indeed. It's been a real pleasure having you here.
1: Thank you, and thank you for the, for the invite. It's been really, really great to connect with you.
0: Pleasure. a link to Eugene's personal website and the Hypnosis Mentors Project feature at the Hypnosis Weekly website. Now then, this week's hypnosis fact of the week. Um, because i featured this idea, this notion in, in, in our Hypnosis in the News discussion while I was frothing at the mouth, um, I thought I'd offer up this particular fact this week. And that is, spontaneous amnesia is relatively rare in hypnosis. This is a study conducted compiled by Simon and Salzburg back in 1985. Um, Still holds very true today. It's been replicated. Very good, strong quality study. Spontaneous, Spontaneous amnesia is relatively rare and its unwanted occurrence can be prevented by informing clients that they will be able to remember everything that they are comfortable remembering about the session. So yes, very credible study suggests that perhaps some of the media portrayals of not remembering anything from any sessions may be misleading. It's not necessarily a typical occurrence, especially if people are told that they will remember rather than having the expectation that they will have amnesia. Now then, our next edition of Hypnosis Weekly will be available in two weeks, okay? So it's two weeks today. There won't be a release next week. I'm teaching in Edinburgh next week uh, before running the marathon there. In our next edition, in two weeks' time, I'll be welcoming hypnosis professional and general hypnosis egghead Craig Galvin. I interview him and that marathon interview automatically turns into our professional discussion. So our structure is going to be different for that particular episode, as you will see, or rather hear, or as I like to call it, it's going to be a refreshing change. Um, Now that I have many more exciting guests that we'll welcome to Hypnosis Weekly in coming weeks too, we'll be discussing debating, celebrating, and above all, remaining friends. And to repeat, all the references made in the discussions along with related links are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. Hypnosis Weekly Weekly with a hyphen in the middle.com. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions, and questions. So please do message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website and I'll make sure they are addressed, answered and explored accordingly. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else. Really help us reach the hypnosis field. My thanks go to Eugene Popper and thanks for you tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now.